This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, reporting live from the World Fantasy Convention. We're going to talk about sensory writing. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. And we have with us our special guest. Sam Sykes. Sam, tell us about yourself. What? Oh, um, <laughs> I, I was listening and I thought, should I, do I say I'm Sam? Is that what they want me to do? But I'm <laughs> Sam Sykes. I wrote uh, Tome of the Undergates and Black Halo, both with Pyre Publishing in the U.S., Galance in the U.K., and as of a week ago, Fleuve Noir in France. It's just debuted there. Um, Those are fantasy? Fantasy, yes. Fantasy Excellent. stories about misanthropes trying to hold shut the gates of hell and overcoming their self-loathing and loathing of each other. You know, good, wholesome writing. Wonderful. <laughs> Sounds like my Thanksgiving family reunion. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, very. All right. So uh, we want to talk about sensory writing, evocative, evoking the senses, when and when not to use them. So you just taught a... Uh, gave a presentation on that, is that correct? Yeah, the in Surrey International Writers Conference, which has long been a favorite of mine. Mary just joined me for the last one. And, and let me go ahead and put in a plug for them. It's a, it's a fantastic conference for aspiring writers. Say the name again? Surrey International Writers Conference in okay. Surrey, British Columbia. Yeah, perfect. if you are aspiring and at And all. aspiring at any level. I at mean, any level. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. But we're here to talk about me, not those jerks. <laughs> <laughs> totally uh, telling on you. Well, that's, that's fine. They already know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I did a very, what I hoped was a pretty eloquent uh, workshop on it, describing, as you say, when to use sen all the senses in writing and when not to. And I found when to is fairly self-evident pretty much all the time so that we are taken into a scene. So when we talk about evocative writing, we're talking about being pulled into a scene, being in engaged, and engagement with the audience is all what, sensor, what uh, sensory writing and evocative writing is about. Why is it that uh, using sensory information and description engages the reader in that way? Because uh, mostly so that their eyes don't glaze over. If you're using exactly one sense, as we all do, usually sight, merely listing off what happened, you know, what's going on, what you're seeing. There was, you know, you say there's a demon standing up. It reads like, you know, you have the world's most boring dungeon master. <laughs> well, I think among other things, you know, from a, it, it makes other parts of the brain fire, which is immediately going to make things seem somewhat more interesting. Yeah. So in the case of the demon, you would want to describe you know, you want the to smell describe of brimstone and the sound of sound, you know, screaming the crows or whatever. And yeah. yeah, whatever is going on, something to pull you in to the uh, story so that you're, as I say, you, the eyes aren't glazing over, the reader's senses are constantly being challenged at one point or another. It's the same theory as why you don't write 20 pages of dialogue 
50 pages of uninterrupted action. You need to break up things. This is breaking things up at a smaller level, and that is keeping the reader engaged so that they don't start tuning everything out and everything doesn't start reading exactly the same. But what I find is a problem for a lot of author, or a lot of aspiring writers, and also quite Some a few, uh, things, quite a lot a few of published authors, authors yes. is that here. you go way, way, way too much into <laughs> detail. <laughs> and at that point, the senses become, you know, the reader will become overstimulated and he'll put down the book because you have just given him literary diabetes. Mm. And can we say that? Yeah, we can say that. Okay, like we're dealing with some clean <laughs> rating and it's really messing <laughs> with me right now. <laughs> I don't know what's safe anymore. <laughs> but um, basically, you know, uh, you were going to say. I was going to make a bad joke and I think we've, we're Is past it? that point. We've already okay, made okay, that okay. joke, don't worry okay, about I'll, it. Okay, I'll get it right after. But, um, <laughs> basically, you don't want your reader to be overloaded either. And I know this sounds like one of those, oh, it's a happy balance, but I tend to err I advise people to err on the side of excess because you can always trim stuff back. Mm. Mm -hmm. And the more you do it, the more you realize exactly what sense is needed for what scene and what you're describing. Because think of a powerful memory or something that you always have thought of whenever you smell uh, you know, a certain type of perfume. That's linked entirely to smell. I think when with a lot of memories that we have, they're linked specifically to one sense, just mm. the sound of something that paints the rest of the picture. The rest of the picture may be hazy, may even, you know, like when I remember times that my dad yelled at me when I was a kid, you know, and it's freaky being yelled at. I can remember the, you know, the tone, not necessarily the words, but the tone, the, the pitch, everything about that, everything about that situation except what he was mad about. Mm. There were a lot of opportunities. There were a lot of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like very effective discipline then. And yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the ways in which you evoke the senses, I think, is also very important. Very. Because yeah, you don't want to just so. give very bland descriptions. Just like you don't want your visual things to be, and then we saw a red car. You know, you want yeah. to describe it well. This um, when you came into this room where we were recording, the first thing you said was, it smells like dead grandparents. That's a really evocative kind of thing that you, it's well, not generic. It's not the kind of thing that, you know, you would immediately come to mind, and yet when you say it, everyone listening now knows exactly what this room smells like. <laughs> yes. right. They've visited an old folks' home or something like that, and they've, they've smelled this smell before. It yeah. really does smell <laughs> like, it's not bad, it just smells like dead it's grandparents. That, yeah, it's that, that faint talcum powder yeah, thing. Yeah, talcum and, and wood and dying polish. Yeah. <laughs> That sort of thing. Uh, yeah. Oh, the smell of dying hope. But uh. you, you know, you raise a good point. If we use the senses blandly, as you say, if you list it off, it becomes the same problem as just listing off details with sight. Mm -hmm. And that instead of he looked like and this looked like and that looked like, you get he looked like and then he smelled like and yeah. she felt like and the uh, the reader's eyes are still glazing over because mm -hmm. you're not getting anything out of that. Or we, you know, you say she smelled like cherries. Oh, well, okay. awesome! I feel the same way for this woman as I do feel about cherries. <laughs> I like cherries, but I'm not really into cherries. <laughs> so, and we do have a clean rating. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So well, yeah, we're, we're, we'll leave it there. What a great time for us <laughs> to talk about our book of the week. Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? 
I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Sam, you have our book of the week this time. Uh, the book of the week is Terrorists in Love by Ken Ballin, which is a series of six interviews with former terrorists, jihadi soldiers, arrested by the government of Saudi Arabia and sent to a terrorist rehab center. And it, there are interviews from Ken Ballin, the, an American Jewish attorney general who figures out their motives. It's nonfiction, but I wholly recommend it for anyone who writes, especially in a genre that has frequently been criticized for black and white morality. This really paints a picture of what goes on in the head of someone who does something as abhorrent as terrorism and as inflicting violence on civilians. It, it's a case study in morality, and I wholly recommend it. Sounds great. You can get that at audible.com slash audiblepodcast.com slash excuse is the website. You can get a 14-day free trial, and you can download a free book. So uh, check that out. We'll also have a link on the website. All right, let's get back into this topic then. Uh, One of the things I find uh, interesting that you mentioned at the beginning is talking specifically about places to not use sensory information. Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, as I said, I, advi- I, I don't think you have a lot to lose by erring on the side of excess, but mm-hmm. the keyword there is erring. You can, I find a lot of authors, especially in fantasy, have a problem with wanting to bring out absolutely everything they are thinking or have ever thought. 
in every <laughs> sentence. I have read one of those books. Yes. yes. We have all read one of those books. I've killed a chihuahua with one of those books. <laughs> they are, they're heavy. You could probably kill people with them. I'm kidding. Please do not send anyone after me. Yeah. Um, Especially not with one of those books. No, no. But, but it is true that, that people will tend to feel like in order to make the room alive, you have to describe every detail in the room. And frequently, those details are not details that are important to your character's emotional state in the right. room, to the plot. They are, they are simply details. And, um, and the temptation to describe everything can sometimes lead to, to overwriting. Absolutely, mm -hmm. and in places like describing a room, that's fair, you can excuse that. Suffice to say that, you know, not everyone cares. I could go on and on about the luscious curves of this chair in the corner here, because it's a, it's a pretty attractive chair. <laughs> I find the upholstery somewhat at odds with the, no, that we aren't going to go yeah, there. No, we're, <laughs> we're <laughs> me. My eyes are glazing. All right, we were about to get into something there, but that's <laughs> the point. Your eyes were about to glaze over. Mm -hmm. But in people think that painting a vivid scene, it's as much about what you don't use as what you do use. Yes. And as I said, in painting this scene, it's merely boring. If you do it in, an emo in a scene of high emotional intensity, such as torture or sex, you will frequently gross out the reader. That's over stimulation, mm -hmm. and at that point, they will be pr positively freaked out. And you know, we've all read, we've all probably read those scenes where, you know, the author was just enjoying yeah, himself a little too much. Far too much in there. This seems to work really well, work best, when you find just one or two details that you could pull out that just pull it all together or add that right exactly. splash. Mm -hmm. And one of the, with the, the example that leaps to my mind, one of my all-time favorite books is American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Mm. Right. And uh, that book almost is defined for me by one scene where the, uh, the god of the internet, he's kind of the personification of modern computerization, right. uh, is eating McDonald's food and burns his fingers on a hot apple pie. And just all of that, you know, instantly you have, you know, we've all burned our fingers on some hot fast food, or, you know, something like that. It all comes together, but it also serves to humanize that character mm -hmm. and that cast of deities I in a very important way for the right. novel. I think that, that that's actually a really Im important thing about why and when to use detail is that it does get you into the character's skin. Mm -hmm. and, and picking details that are, that have a, s a, a sense of familiarity that, that we can relate to helps you get more grounded in that character and see things through their eyes. At the same time, you know, being able to present the details that are different, like if you can pair those, I think a lot of times that that is, that is a way to lead the reader through. Right. And yeah. we're, we're not necessarily talking about leading them through, but as we said, engaging the reader, putting them in your, their skin, as you mm -hmm. say, getting them in a part of that. And this technique I discussed in the workshop, which I find a lot of people either don't know about or know about and don't how to use is a technique I call not looking directly at it. I'll think of a more elegant title later. <laughs> but you know, in that, a that works great. You know, in a s I wrote a scene, a torture, a scene in which someone gets tortured via electricity in my, uh, my upcoming book, Skybound Sea. Uh, I absolutely did not want to go into huge detail because at that point, I'd, what you don't want to do is bore someone with torture. You don't want to. You don't want them. To <laughs> <laughs> That's its own form. Of torture. You don't want. Yeah, you don't want them to hit the third paragraph describing it and go, "Oh my God!" Like 
This is How still. Long? So <laughs> if you're describing everything, you know every yeah, slash, every stroke. On a book. Yeah. The world's most boring torture <laughs> scene. <laughs> that would, people might read it for that, but you won't be remembered well. Mm -hmm. But if you describe something like just the sound of skin coming apart in two sections as a scalpel blade is run down the length mm -hmm. of someone's forearm, the smell of burning hair as it coils and just leaves an acrid wisp of smoke. You're far too good at this. I know. Yeah, I was I don't like, <laughs> you two are totally, you're like, I'm taking notes. But <laughs> the point is, I don't have to say anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. You yeah. are filling in the details. The reader is filling in the details. The reader is engaged. And now the reader knows exactly what's going on. You know, God forbid yeah. they're actually filling in personal experience, but <laughs> yeah. they're filling well, in their personal details. And, and at the risk of grossing out our readers even right. further, um, your, your specific choices there were very telling. Uh, you know, the skin coming apart, that s seems like a visual thing. But as soon as you just add the word sound, yeah. you didn't need to provide any sound effects. Right. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that all of a sudden we're thinking of a visual thing in terms of sound, yeah. that makes it all the grosser. And yeah. all the more effective. This reminds me of a, a horror film technique, which is that you don't you don't show the monster. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the reason is that that the viewers uh, the viewer's sense of horror will fill it in with whatever they find most horrific. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, and I think it's important at this point <laughs> to say that this is not a purely horror exactly. based uh, yeah. technique. You can use it for any genre right. for anything you're trying to convey. Uh, when you're talking about you know, not showing the whole thing or whatever and, and said you wanted to find a better phrase. Um, the phrase that left immediately to mind is uh, a folk singer whose name I can't remember. But he always talked about how he, uh, he tried to write his songs as a glancing blow to reality. Mm. Um, and, you know, try to convey just enough right. off to the side so that you can fill in the rest of the details yourself. Exactly. And as you say, it's not for purely horror. It's not for yeah. grossing the reader out. It's also for moments, it's for any moment of extreme mm -hmm. emotion, you know, moments of extreme tenderness as well. Like we, no one's going to name anyone's name, but we've read scenes in which <laughs> sex is also kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. Or, or comic. Or comic, <laughs> or unintentionally comic, <laughs> yes. which is the worst. Yeah. And in those cases, it's all about describing just, you know, the mm -hmm. sound of sand scraping against skin the way shadow, uh, you know, you can only see half of someone's eye because the rest of them mm -hmm. is in shadow. Yeah. And just that pure, uh, that glimpse of light illuminates just one eye. Again, I don't need to go any further than that. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's funny because uh, shadow puppetry in particular, um, the people will fill in the details of the puppet and talk about the puppet's expression, even though it is it is a simple black silhouette against a white screen. Right. And and it is because it is because you're working around the edges. Right. And you know, there are authors that work with this idea of reader interpretation. And you know, I, Cormac McCarthy comes to mind. I've only read The Road, but he never ever describes what the great apocalypse was. Mm -hmm. And he barely ever says what horrors are going on around you because he doesn't need to. Mm -hmm. He just mentions it, and he mentions just a few scant details. That book is minimalist to yes. the point where anyone else, for anyone else, it would be obscene. <laughs> but for him, it's it just works. Mm -hmm. you know, I, 
I'm not saying bite Cormac McCarthy style because everyone will know and but you know he's definitely someone to read to get a real good an extreme look of what we're talking about yes but yeah. all right well uh, that's all the time that we have so we're gonna wrap up and I actually have a writing prompt I'm so, so I'm not gonna throw this at you again Mary <laughs> uh, what I would like you to do for your writing prompt is uh, you have a, a character whose vision is obscured they're blindfolded they're in a closet or a trunk or whatever and they're trying to figure out where they are using all their other senses so right. there you go all right this God has speed. been writing excuses you are out of excuses now go write this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.